1: Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com. And today is Sunday, July the 21st, and we are back live in beautiful, very hot Austin, Texas, and I bet it's hot wherever you are this evening because... I think the whole nation is caught in this heat wave and we hope to keep you cool here while you're listening to this program. We have a great program in store for you. Um, It's really packed full and Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment is here. He's the producer of the program and he'll be making the show run smoothly as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined by Kira Denine, communication lead at My Gene Council, host and producer of DNA Today, and a student of genetic counseling at Sarah Lawrence College. And she joins us to talk about genetic counseling. And later in the program, Brenda Cortez, kidney donor and author of several children's books about organ donation, kindness, and passion, will join us to discuss her teaching children about organ donation. And along the way, we'll be playing that interview that I talked about a couple of weeks ago when we went down to the border and went to the bus terminal to meet with Team Brownsville in their volunteer, while they were volunteering to help the asylum seekers um, released from detention centers to the bus terminal. And I interviewed Sergio Cordova, and we'll be playing that interview this evening. And along the way, I'll give another sneak peek into my book, The Passionate Life. And I'll just talk for a few moments in the time that I have in between all of this, um, about finding our peace once again within the midst of so much turmoil. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, Please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me during the program, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is Dr. Mara, that's drmara, that's Dr. com. D r m a r a k a r p e l. Dot .com and if you do have a question for any of my guests please be sure to call or email while they are still on the air so they can answer your questions and you can hear this evenings program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast along with all of the information from this evening's program will be posted later this evening and when I say all of the information I mean website links and that sort of thing that will be posted later this evening on my website drmarichortel.com but you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And for information um, from previous programs, you can hear all of the programs and read all of the information from those shows going way back to when we started on blog talk radio five and a half years ago on my website drmarikarpel.com you can also read all of my blogs in huffington post thriveglobal.com and the other publications where i publish you can watch videos that we have created of Some of them are interviews of the guests that we have had live in the studio here in Austin, and a few other videos, some of the interviews that when I was on other people's programs, and some of those are videos. And you can also hear all of the shows. By going directly to blogtalkradio.com/slash-your-golden-years, and for information about upcoming events, to find out about future shows, to read blogs as soon as they are posted on Thrive Global or any of the other publications, um, to watch Facebook Live videos, to hear about events coming up, with book signings, etc. Um, follow me on Facebook. That's the best. Place. So, Dr. Maricarpel, your golden years. So, two places to remember are my website, drmaricarpel.com, and my Facebook page, Dr. Maricarpel, your golden years. And you'll get all of the information in both of those spots. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City, practicing here in Austin, Texas, and in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas sometimes. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers. And for the past few years, I've been mainly evaluating veterans for PTSD and other service-connected mental health conditions. And if you want to contact me, if you have a question or something that you think I should know about, you can do that. You can call me at 512-626-6973, or you can send me an email to drmara at com, Or you can go through my website, drmaracartel.com, and just click on Contact. This evening's program is sponsored by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald Devere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. Devere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512. 512- 261 or send him an email to R. Devere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by StoryHouse. Storyhouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have Storyhouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. Storyhouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512 296 Eight, seven, five, two. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play a few of our sponsor's commercials, um, but it's very brief, so don't go anywhere because when we come back, we will be joined on the phone by Kira Denine, communication lead at My Gene Council, host and producer of DNA Today, and student of genetic counseling, to join us to discuss genetic counseling and this really important topic that we have never talked about on this program before so I think it'll be an interesting interview don't go anywhere we'll be right back
0: super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpel will be back after words from our sponsors
2: please visit us on the web at com.
1: All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpel and your golden ears right here on blogtalkradio.com and on com. And now joining us on the phone, we have Kira Dineen, communication lead at My Gene Council host and producer of DNA today and student of genetic counseling welcome kira thanks so much for having me can you hear me i can hear you i just there's just Fantastic. a slight del- there's just a slight delay when we speak like this so just to keep that in mind um, so i hope you're staying cool wherever you are We're somewhat power is out in this area of New York, but you know, I'm trying my best. Oh, no, (laughs) that's not good. (laughs) But it's probably cooler here than Texas, so yeah, uh, I would think so. So, thanks for joining us. And you know, we've never had this topic discussed on this program, and I think it's a really important one. Maybe before we jump into it, you can give us a little bit of information about your background. Certainly.
3: So I did my undergraduate degree in cytogenetics, and so that's looking at certain type of genetic testing. So that's my background for undergrad, and for graduate school, I'm currently getting my master's in human genetics, training to be a genetic counselor. And I've had various roles mentioned at my gene Council. Um, working there as a the communications lead, I have my own radio show, so similar to yours. Um, that's called DNA Today that you mentioned earlier, where I talk to guests about all things genetics. And so I'm building this career towards becoming a genetic counselor. I'll be graduating in a year. And so that's a little bit of my background and where I'm coming from.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So, so what is genetic counseling? So my elevator pitch for genetic counseling, um, genetic <laughs> counseling is, right, I got to get it down, like 10 seconds. Um, so genetic counseling is where a person that you're meeting with, a genetic counselor, helps patients, consumers understand their genetics so they can make informed decisions about their own health care. And that can be seen in a variety of different ways. The most standard and traditional way is going to a hospital, going to a clinic and sitting down with a genetic counselor and discussing this. But in the last 50-60 years since the field has started, this has really shifted in terms of where genetic counselors work, who they're working with. We're slowly becoming in every area of healthcare and some that aren't directly in healthcare.
1: Mhm. You know, when I think of genetic counseling, I think of people who are looking to become parents But it sounds like this really goes much beyond that. Right,
3: and that's where the field started. So it started in pediatric, or sorry, it started in prenatal, of people looking to uh, conceive a child, or they were already pregnant and looking for information about that pregnancy. And from there, the field expanded into cancer and pediatric. So that's our main three prenatal, pediatric, and cancer.
1: But now Mm -hmm. we're going into areas like
3: cardiology, neurology, ancestry, focusing on different communities like the adoptee community, the LGBT community. So we're really looking at a wide variety of different areas and different types of people that we can be helping.
1: Mm -hmm. So how would you help someone, let's say, with cancer um, through genetic counseling? Definitely. So if
3: I was sitting down in a cancer you know, cancer center, and I was meeting with a patient, I would start by going over their medical history. So if they've had a personal history of cancer, if they have had any other diagnoses, any other health concerns, after going through that, we would go through family history. And this is really, really important, especially, you know, in our world of genetic counseling, where we sit with someone, and sometimes it can take a little bit, it can take 20 minutes, 30 minutes to go through, And we draw their family tree, which is called a pedigree. And when we're drawing this, we're asking questions about family members to see how their health is now, if they've had any cancer in the past, if we're focused on that being a cancer setting and session. Mm -hmm. And while I'm doing that, in my mind, I'm looking to see if there are any red flags. So red flags would be anyone with cancer under the age of 50 when they were diagnosed, anyone with multiple cancers if there's many generations in the family of cancers and if those cancers are related such as breast cancer and ovarian cancer can be related to the same genetic change happening that someone can be born with. So those are the things Mm. that are, I'm thinking about when going through this family history, but along with it, you're a psychologist. So I am also trying to be very supportive and oftentimes these are really hard topics to be talking about. And, When you're in a cancer setting, oftentimes someone has gone through losing people from cancer. And so it's really important to be able to not just get that information from the person, but also realize that it might have been a really hard journey to get there and be supportive of that and, you know, take a minute to say, how was that for you and how has that been and do you have a support system at home? So that's kind of where the genetic and counseling comes in. I'm thinking about the genetics we're going through. I'm getting the information, but it's also so important that I'm being a counselor and I'm being supportive, and it's not just a direct question answer type of setup. So that's right. kind of how the session looks, and then going through and saying, okay, now that I've taken the family history, let's look at this together. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on where you might I'm sort have of that we're risk. Kira, it's getting, oh, you're I'm getting sorry. lower.
1: <laughs> like, uh, can you I still don't know hear what me? Happened? Happened? Yeah, I can still hear you, but you were sort of fading away. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Definitely let me know if that happens again. Okay. Um, so, when we're going through this, I'll
3: reiterate with them my thought process about it and see if they have any questions. Then, talk about if they would let to go through genetic testing and talk about the options there. So that's what a typical cancer session looks like and what people can expect. Now, this is going to really change depending on if the person themselves has cancer. Totally different. Stuff. Oh, you're still covering those main points.
1: Okay. I'm hearing all kinds of beeping and stuff, so I just don't know if something's happening with your phone connection. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Nothing. Okay, well, you can't do anything about it just in case you moved. Just move back. No, I was saying the same thought. Okay. Um, you know, so you know, I've been doing a lot of reading about how, you know, we can sort of overcome our genetics um, through lifestyle choices. Do you do you work with that at all? Like, you know, if you have the susceptibility, let's say, um, for diabetes because it's such a strong genetic um, link in your family, but the person doesn't have diabetes yet. So are there, is there counseling about how to prevent it or, you know, overcome some of this heavy genetic uh, susceptibility?
3: To a certain extent, yes. And I think, For some areas of genetic counseling, prevention is a major part that we're looking at. And so talking Mm -hmm. about diabetes, that's something that we don't know a whole lot about in terms of the complete cause of it. It's something that we call multifactorial. So we have environments along with genetics that are all playing a role into diabetes affecting that person. That being said, we know a lot about having low weight, eating healthy, those all being really protective factors to lower your risk of having diabetes, and if you do, helping to manage those symptoms. That's not something that necessarily a genetic counselor may talk about, but that would be a case I would refer out to a nutritionist and say, might be great if you go and talk to them and make a plan for yourself. But going through, and if I see there's a lot of diabetes in the family, I may mention you may be at elevated risk for this, and it's really important to be able to follow up on this and be
1: staying in tune with your healthcare. Right, right. So there is there is a, a prevention. I know I know a lot of people are fearful about genetic counseling because they're afraid that they're gonna find out that they are, you know, genetically set up to have, to have a disease. Like maybe even like Alzheimer's. Um when there's really a lot of benefit to having the genetic counseling, maybe you can, you can speak about that. You know, what's the benefit of knowing that this is your genetic uh, heritage, your, your weak spot? And the thing that I really like to
3: tell people is that just because you go to see a genetic counselor does not mean you have to get genetic testing. Genetic counselors talk about genetic testing and are experts in genetic testing, can help with that process, understand what the results mean, help you decide which test if you want to go for one, but that's the key word, if you want to get genetic testing. Being a genetic counselor, you can be talking about all the information that I talked about before, going through medical history, that family history, so that you have a better understanding of what is in your family and is this genetic. Oh, is this not genetic, or is this something I could inherit or pass on to a child? These are questions that genetic counselors can answer. And if they can't answer, they can usually point you to someone that can. And right. so going to a genetic counselor starts that conversation. And people can always go to a genetic counselor and say, I want to gather information, sit with it, and come back and say, maybe I'll go for testing, but I want to mull this over a little bit and understand what the results could tell me and what it can't tell you.
1: Mhm. I just want to mention again, your phone is kind of going in and out a little bit. If you're on a speakerphone, maybe you want to hold it no, closer. No, I'm plugged in. I'm plugged in with headphones. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Okay. Maybe it's the electricity over there. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, my my practitioner recently informed me that, Certain medications or or supplements that I take might not be used, might not be metabolized well, depending on my genetics. That that we each, that everybody has different metabolism of vitamins or supplements or or even medications and based on their genetics and she had even recommended because i went for that ancestry test a few years ago to, just to find out who my ancestors were um she suggested that i contact them and see if they've kept my genetic information and could let me know if i can metab if i'm having difficulty metabolizing certain supplements have you ever heard of that
3: So this is an area called pharmacogenomics, where we're looking at someone's genetics to find out what medications work well for them, what doesn't work well for them. Maybe they need a higher dose of something, a lower dose. So really getting personalized with that information. And you mentioned that you had done Ancestry. An interesting aspect Mm -hmm. of a lot of these direct consumer companies like Ancestry DNA, 23andMe, MyHeritage, they often will have raw data for consumers. And consumers can use this raw data to find out more information. However, it can be hard to do that and understand the results. And in terms of pharmacogenomics and looking at that drug interaction with your specific genetics, this is an area that's really in its infancy and we're learning so much more about it. And probably in the next few years, we're gonna have a lot more information with that. And being able to go further than vitamins and say someone has a mental health disorder and they're saying, okay, I need to figure out what medication is going to work for me or say my depression, my anxiety, a different type of
5: diagnosis.
3: And we're going to be able to and we're starting to be able to look at genetics and say, actually, this medication is going to be best for you and let's try you at this dosage. So that's an area that is a lot of trial and error. And it can take Mm -hmm. people a really long time to find the right medication that works for them. So it's exciting to see the advances we're making there because for someone that's really depressed to be trying so many different medications and have so many side effects from them to not find Mm -hmm. one that works for them for a while is a really, really tough journey to go through. And so it's really exciting to see that this is happening and not just in the area of mental health, but other areas like cancer, we use genetics to say, okay, for breast cancer, for instance, if you're ER positive, PR positive, HER2 negative, those are terms we throw around in testing. We do to say, all right, let's see what treatment we're going to give you for your specific breast cancer. So we're we're making progress there, and it's exciting to see those advancements happening and people already being able to benefit from them. But we still have a ways to go there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is exciting because uh, you know, I see a lot of clients of mine who. They just keep going to their, you know, their medical practitioner psychiatrist or who, whomever is prescribing medication, and they go through one medication after another, and it's just not working until they finally hit that medication that works. And as you said, it's a, it's a long, painful process, and there are side effects. And, you know, um, if, if they can figure out what the right medication and dosage is right from the start, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, it
3: sounds like it takes people maybe sometimes between six months and 18 months to find that medication. I don't know if that's what you've experienced or what you know. You're you're
1: the expert in that area. I've seen longer, longer. Sometimes longer. it takes a couple of years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So people just give up and they, they don't want to take medication, which I don't blame them if they're just getting side effects from it and no benefit then they lose their trust in, in taking medication. And, and I would imagine that that would also help to be able to do more natural things. Like perhaps they're, they're, um, you know there are supplements. There are a lot of natural supplements that help people with mental health issues and to know genetically if that's going to work for them. That would be beneficial. Yeah, I can definitely see that being
3: beneficial in an area where this will start going once we have more data and more information to be making these calls saying, okay, this is right yep. for this person. And we need a lot of data to be able to start saying things like that. Right.
1: But I'm I'm guessing they already have some because my practitioner was already saying, you know, get that information and, and we can figure out, you know, so for example, I have to take large amounts of vitamin D um, you know because i i my blood tests show that I'm low until I'm taking like you know pretty high amounts and then I'm normal, and vitamin D is really necessary. Um, They've found recently that it's important for preventing breast cancer and it helps with your mood, it helps with your energy, it might even help with prevent MS, I believe. Um, And she said, well, it may be that genetically you're not absorbing the vitamin D. And that's that's why you have to take more. Mm -hmm. So, So what do you do at My Gene Council? What is that?
3: Um, So My Gene Council, I recently left my role there, but that's very recent. But My Gene Council
1: is a digital
3: genetic counseling company. And so we offer a portal for patients and physicians to be able to go in and access genetic testing information from patients. And it breaks down that information because genetic language It's really hard to read and understand. So, we make that accessible to patients and physicians. We have different language we use for both so that both can understand what those genetic tests mean for that patient. So, it goes
1: through um, FAQs and breaks that down. Okay, okay. Now, I do have a question. Do you know anything about the genetic testing for something like Alzheimer's? I know that that was something that was sort of. Also in trial and error, um, you know, nothing definitive the last time I heard.
3: So we do have genetic testing for that. It's not extensive, but we have found um, a gene called APOE, and that is a gene that we have linked to escalating someone's risk, raising someone's risk for developing Alzheimer's later in life. Um, Mm -hmm. There are many other genetic factors that we probably haven't found yet, but that's one where we can have somewhat of an indication if someone is at population risk, like everybody else, for developing
1: the disorder,
3: or if it, if someone is in a category where they're at elevated risk
1: for that. So now as a counselor, what would you what would you counsel? How would you counsel somebody who found that they had an uh, elevated risk for something like that?
3: I could definitely mention what we know about this gene and how likely, how much it increases your risk or it doesn't increase. But before ordering testing, I would talk about how would you feel when you have these results? What are you going to do with this information? Because right now, there's not much we can do to prevent this. So living, knowing that you have an elevated risk for this may not be the most beneficial decision. Now, right. 10 years down the line, if we have great treatments, maybe a cure, then that's probably great information to know. If we have prevention where we're like people that do X, Y, and Z have drastically lower risk. But because we don't have much right now, I would really want to make sure that the patient understood that. Now, genetic counseling is non-directive. We're trying to give information, explain it, translate all of this genetic language into English, And say, okay, with this information, how do you feel about going through genetic testing? Do you think you would like to do this? Do you think you wouldn't? Play out scenarios and make sure that that person is making an informed decision that going for genetic testing is right for them or not. So really being transparent
1: about all that information. So they're making a fully informed decision. I like that because, I, you know, I do agree that in certain cases there's no point in getting genetic testing if there's nothing that you can do about it. But I think there are things that they're finding out more and more. There are things that all of us can do to to lower the risk of Alzheimer's, not eliminate it, but lower it through like more exercise and eating healthier and and, you know, doing puzzles and using our brain more and all that we can at least push it back to you know later years and so if we already know that then it's just beneficial for everybody to do that and and without having to go for testing and have this weight that you carry around with you that you know that you might get it anyway (laughs) exactly so yeah yeah, I I agree. Oh, that's good. I'm glad um, that that would be that that would be what you advise because yeah. Um, okay, so um, if so, you said that you have this show DNA today, and and you have various guests talking about genetics on the program.
0: Yeah,
3: so it's that's been the- a really really fun to. I actually started it when I was a senior in high school, so a long time ago, and so that was uh, seven, eight years ago now, and the shows really evolved over the years where I started doing a lot of lessons and news stories, and now I focus more to interviews, and I interview a lot of genetic counselors, which makes sense. I'm joining the field. I also interview a lot of patient advocates, especially in the rare disease community. I think it's really important for us to hear their insights, hear their journey, and hear their expertise about their rare disease. And so that's those are a lot of my favorite shows, being able to talk to patient advocates. Uh, some patient advocates have hereditary uh, cancer syndrome, which is where you're born with a genetic change that elevates your risk for cancer. I'll talk to leaders in biotech, authors, researchers, professors. So basically anyone that is involved with genetics it's great to be able to chat with them and hear
1: their expertise and just be able to learn along
4: with my items. Mm-hmm.
1: So so if listeners are interested in learning about genetic counseling and how it might help them to, in their particular situation or, um, or to listen to your program um, what are some ways that they can Do those things.
3: So they can either search my show on their podcast app, on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, all of those. Uh, Just DNA Today. It will come up my green logo. And you can go directly to dnapodcast.com. I have over 100 shows on there, along with more information about becoming a genetic counselor for those students interested in it or just more information, listening to genetic counselors, understanding more of what that might look for you coming in as a patient. Also, aboutgeneticcounselors.com has even more information about genetic counseling specifically. And if people are on uh, Twitter, I'm at DNA Podcast. On Instagram, I'm at DNA Radio.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm writing all that down because <laughs> great. Um, I'm going to... Post that on my website later this evening Fantastic. on the website post about this show. Yeah, so thank so you. people can. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, and thank you for being on the program. So, um, you know, I want people to be able to connect with you and find out more about it. So, um, and there's a contact about- form on my website if people have questions. I'm always happy to answer and connect with listeners. So your which what is your website?
3: com.
1: Okay, that's yours. Okay. Yep. Okay, great. Um, all right, so I will be posting that, as I said, um, later this evening, and so if people didn't have their pen and paper, they can just go right there and click on it. <laughs> um, great. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. I have learned a lot. This is very enlightening information and really important. And I think it you know, as I said, I always thought of it as having to do with having babies, but it's really not. It's, it's much bigger yeah. than that. So, yeah, so so um, much
3: more, really every area of healthcare. But thank you so much for welcoming me on the show
1: and letting me share a little bit about
3: genetic counseling. Yeah.
1: And um Stay cool. I hope your electricity comes back on. (laughs) Yes, fingers crossed. (laughs) Yes. All right. You have a good evening. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. So we have lots more to come. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpel.com. And that was really interesting. I honestly, I've learned a lot just now from, from that discussion, and, and I'm really excited to hear about the advances that are made so that we can know what medications to take or supplements based on our own genes. Um okay so we have a lot more to come and before uh we go to our next segment um I want to fill you in on some news and talk a little bit about finding your inner peace. Um so the news I was interviewed on Thursday July 11th on Indie Beacon Radio and that's um actually Texas Authors and that was a uh, that was on Zoom so We have an audio and video of it. So you can listen to audio, it's on SoundCloud and the video um, is on the Facebook. It's on Facebook. So both of those have been posted. That interview in both audio and in audio video (laughs) have been posted on my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpel. Your golden years, and um, tomorrow I will be uploading it to my website. So it took a little while to get that on Facebook, and now I'll be, I'll be uploading the link on my website, Dr. Maricarpell, and your um, Dr. Maricarpell.com. So um, that was a lot of fun, and this Wednesday in just a few days, I will be interviewed by Carrie Hummingbird for her radio show, which is also on audio and video. It's on Zoom, um, and her radio show is called Soul Nectar. That one will be pre-recorded. We're we're recording it on Wednesday, and it'll be aired on Sunday, August eleventh, and then it'll be. Permanent, so you can catch it anytime after that. So I'll be posting that link in August when that is ready. Um, I have a few speaking engagements coming up: um, Unity Church in Brownsville in October. I was also just invited to be, do a keynote at a up in Dallas, and that's still in the works, but that's a private event, I believe. Um, a few others are being worked out in New York and around Texas, and I'm available anybody's interested in a keynote. So um, I'm having a lot of fun with those. Uh, I just have to say that. I really enjoy um, meeting all the people at those events, and it, it's just a lot of fun getting energy from 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 everybody who attends. And um, I have a blog coming out soon about my visit to the border and all of the information that I've learned in between, and so stay tuned for that. And later in the show, we'll be be playing the interview in just a few minutes that I did with Sergio Cordova at the border. But meanwhile, before we play that, I I want to talk about reconnecting with our piece at our center, because you know with so much going on in the news and people arguing with each other constantly wherever you go and on social media and even in person, and it's really become um you know I've noticed uh so much more road rage and people having no patience where no patience wherever you go, easily frustrated. Um, forget about lack of tolerance. We already know that. Um, and so I think we all need to take a breath. We all need to take a breath, including myself. And, you know, I, I've been reading um, Michael Singer's The Untethered Soul. Very slowly I read like a couple of pages and I take notes every day, just a couple of pages to really digest it because it's a very powerful book. And I've been waiting to come to a point in that book or any of the other reading that I'm doing um, to find something that will help me with what's going on today and in being able to deal with it. And um, and I did. I came across it just a couple of days ago, and it was really powerful. Um, he talks about acceptance, and, and it's very similar to... Um, the Buddhist concept that Tara Brack talks about in her book, radical acceptance. Um, Tara Brack is a Buddhist psychologist and um, radical acceptance does not mean that you just accept things the way they are and just make peace with it. That's, that is not at all what it means. (laughs) Um, You know, unless it's something that you can't change, but what, You know, and then you have the serenity prayer to be, you know, to have acceptance for things you can't change. But um, remember, the first part of the serenity prayer is to have the courage to change the things that you can change, the serenity to um, accept the things that you can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. So that's really important. You know, many things we can change. We can change what's going on in the world. We, we can't change it overnight. Uh, we can't change it this minute, but we can change it very gradually. And we talk about things on this program to change it, like acts of kindness, changing it one one act of kindness at a time. Um, that really makes a difference. It really is powerful. Um, but so acceptance is not saying... I can't change it, I'm just going to live with it. Acceptance is accepting reality the way it is, that this is how it is right now, okay? I don't like it, but it is how it is. So if I try to resist how it is and say I don't, I don't want it to be this way, I, I don't believe it's like this, or I'm not going to accept that it's like this, then we create stress. Because we really, because that's, and a delusion, really, because it is the way it is, right? It's hot out here. We can't, we don't like that it's so hot here in Texas right now, but it is hot. (laughs) That's reality. So, we can do some, we can't change the weather, but we can go indoors. We can, you know, if we have lucky enough to have air conditioning, we can turn on the air conditioning, we can take a shower, we can wear light clothes, we can go swimming, you know, we can find a way to cool off. But we have to first accept that it is hot out because if we don't accept that it's hot outside, we're going to walk, we might walk outside in a winter coat when it's 100 degrees. Okay. So, acceptance is understanding that this is reality. And and I know it sounds very basic but many of us try to fight against reality. And that's where we find ourselves feeling really anxious and upset and angry. Um so we're so what happens is our own emotions Maybe we're even bringing in emotions from the past, it, emotional injuries that occurred to us years ago that this situation, a particular situation reminds us of. So we're bringing all of that in, some you know, trauma that occurred to us or some insult that occurred to us or some conflict we had. We're now bringing that into the current situation and our emotions about that, and we're carrying all of this heavy, heavy luggage into the present moment, and that actually not only interferes with our inner peace but it interferes with our ability to have any um, have any any ability to change the situation and make it better. So if we're just fighting with what is, then we're not being efficient. We're not using our energy wisely. We're not planning how we're going to change it. What are we going to do about it? Is there something I can do to make a difference? And when we get rid of that emotional baggage, we decide to just let it go. That The things from the past, even our, our, our resistance, our difficulty accepting what is going on right now, when we can let that go and be really clear, this is happening right now, and let that emotional baggage go, then we are much, much more efficient and much more powerful at what we can do to change the situation. And not only that, but we create inner peace while we're doing it. That we can see this situation as kind of like a test of our ability to deal with life. How are we gonna solve this problem? And life is full of tests and uh, problems that we need to resolve and if we could just see it as just another part of life another event that's happening then we have so much more power to change the situation to become part of that change to be and to feel more inner peace and when we feel more inner peace we have more compassion for other people we have more we have the ability to have more generosity and again as i mentioned that makes a huge difference in the world. When we, when we commit acts of kindness and generosity and we have compassion, how, my, how we can change the world is so amazing. And what, what he wrote, I'm going to quote him directly Don't think that because you accept reality, it means you don't deal with things. You do deal with them, you just deal with them as events that are taking place on the planet Earth. Not a personal, not as personal problems. Stop and think about what you're capable of achieving. Up to now, your capacities have been constrained by constant inner struggle. Imagine what would happen if your awareness was free to focus only on the events actually taking place. You would have no noise going on inside. and if you lived like this, you could do anything. And if you could bring your level of awareness and clarity to everything you do, your life would change. So, you know, I know that's difficult to do. It's easier said than done. But, you know, I've talked many times and I've written in my book and I've written blogs about how to kind of slow down your thinking. You can do meditation. You can do exercise. You can use humor get out in nature, just noticing and being aware when you're holding on to something and you're letting it really bother you rather than focusing on what's the real situation right now, what steps can I take? All of those things are tools that you can use to get to that point where you can just let that baggage go and deal with the moment, deal with the problem at hand, accept what is. Let yourself feel peaceful and move forward. Okay, so with that said, we're going to play the interview that we did while while we visited the uh, Brownsville bus station where Sergio Cordova and teams Brownsville were volunteering and are still volunteering every day to help the asylum seekers who are released from detention centers and allowed to stay in the United States, go on to their sponsors in another part of the country to wait for their hearings. And very often that's the first meal that they've eaten in a while. And um, well, we're just gonna play it because Sergio explains. So here's that wonderful, and this is Dr. Maricard Bell. And I'm here in Brownsville at the Brownsville bus terminal with Sergio Coelhova. And um, Sergio's here with volunteers awaiting the arrival of migrants who are being released from detention centers and sent on their way to all over the country and part, as part of Team Brownsville. So, Sergio, wanna, you tell us a little bit about what you are doing here, what you you and the volunteers of Team Browns will do here every day, several hours a day.
6: Thank you so much for having us on the show again. Um, We're here at the terminal and there's a lot of families, children, uh, and adults that we're helping by providing food. A lot of times they're traveling for two or three days, and this Af- is the... After that. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: And so a lot of times they don't have any money. So this meal that we're giving them today is going to be the last meal for the next two or three days. So we also try to provide them with water and juice and uh, snacks to take on their trip. Mhm. Also, many of them are traveling with just a plastic bag or their belongings in their hand. So we're providing bags so that they can carry their their items in. And uh, their shoelaces, for whatever reason, are removed at the detention centers, and they're not returned. So I always carry a huge bag of shoelaces so that they can wear shoelaces. And also, their belts are removed, Mm -hmm. and they're not returned. Yesterday, a, a lady came where her luggage was thrown away, Mm -hmm. but they gave her all her belongings in a plastic bag. So I had to go buy her a luggage because she was traveling all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. And so those are the things that we're doing to help.
1: Yeah. So how often during the day are they dropped off here at the bus terminal?
6: They start at 6 in the morning and they go on all the way till 8 or 9 o'clock at night.
1: Do you know when they're coming,
6: or it's just random? We have no idea. We're never told at what time or how many. So I have to prepare enough in my car for 30 or 300, because you never know how many there will be.
1: And is Team Brownsville here all day?
6: We have different organizations helping. Mm -hmm. Uh, Iglesia Bautista West Brownsville is bringing breakfast at 6 in the morning every day. They're dropping off about 100 Breakfast tacos, so we have that covered. And then Team Brownsville started. The other two ladies got here about 10 in the morning, okay. and then I jump in at, at noon or so. Uh-huh. And then we have another group coming at 6 p.m. Part of Team Brownsville to bring dinner. Okay.
1: Okay. And so you said that it's mostly families.
6: What we're seeing now, yes.
1: Mostly families. Yeah. And how long would you estimate that they have been in detention before they were brought here?
6: I've been asking them those questions when they when they're dropped off and some of them are telling me they've been just a few days and some have been in detention for over two or three months. I've had cases where <clears throat> they've dropped off adults from Cameroon, let's say that they didn't have money to pay their bond and they've been up to two and a half years.
1: Two and a half years.
6: In detention. Okay. Yeah.
1: And now where are they going? Do they um, all have a sponsor or yes. family member?
6: They will not be released from detention unless they have a sponsor. And so
4: <clears throat>
6: I sponsored three, one moved on to Florida. I'm still sponsoring two. Mm-hmm. And, and you
1: took into I, your own home. That's correct,
6: because they didn't have a sponsor, mm-hmm. and they were going to be deported.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that something that people can do? Can they just volunteer to be a sponsor?
6: Absolutely. And I'm, I have found homes for six, and I'm looking for a home right now for another two.
1: And that can be anywhere in the country.
6: Anywhere because people are running for their life and they'll go anywhere in the country mm-hmm. and they mostly tell me I want a family. I want a family that someone who will love me.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all different ages.
6: All different ages, yes. Yeah.
1: And I understand that the two the, the two gentlemen that you took in, you've been fathering them. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's
6: been a life changing experience because I don't have children of my own, so to me they're my family.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's their what's their fate? I mean, what's going to happen next? How long do they stay with you, and then what happens?
6: I've been working slowly for to get them independent. We got them there. I showed them how to drive. They never had a car before. They've never driven. Um, showed them how to shop. Showed them how to. You use a thermostat, I mean, so many things that they didn't have in their country. So, it's like I told you yesterday, it's been like showing them 10 or 15 years of life in six months. Yeah. That's it's been an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it to anybody who has an extra room and wants to save a life. Do yeah, it.
1: Literally saving a life. Save a
6: life, yeah. yeah.
1: So, so, tell me what's happening at the border you just mentioned you know over the bridge I know that Team Brownsville goes daily over the bridge as well to the families that are waiting to be allowed to come over to ask for asylum and what what are the conditions over there what's happening What's Team Brownsville doing
6: there's 203 people waiting to come in and they're living at the foot of the bridge they're sleeping on concrete in a hundred degree weather, we have been able to spend some money there to get water to them twice a day. So everybody's getting four or five bottles of water a day. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest challenge because we were pulling wagons full of water every day, twice a day. People have been having trouble with their shoulders of pulling that water because it's an incline on the bridge Sure. And water is very heavy. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing now is we're we're, we're paying uh, a church group in Mexico to deliver the water daily.
1: Mm. There's
6: so much water. Can you imagine 203 people? How many bottles of water do you need a day? When it's
1: 100 degrees out, it's yeah. yeah, a lot.
6: So that's the, uh, also we're 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 paying a company to put in porta potties because they're having to go to the restroom. In the river. In the
4: river.
6: And so we're contracting with a port-a-potty uh, company, they're going to put in four porta potty for us and, and to clean them daily.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So that's where the, the donations that are coming in, that's where we're spending them.
4: Right.
6: Deli- uh, straight to the people that are suffering on that bridge.
1: How can people donate? How can people help if they're listening? And you know, I know so many people around the country who feel completely helpless and they want to do something. Mm-hmm. How can they help?
6: Absolutely. Uh, we have a, we just became a 501-3 uh, uh-huh. so, about a month ago. So we have a, a web page now. Just mm-hmm. You can just Google teambrownfield.org. And, .org, mm-hmm. and there's a donate button. Okay. And that money is going straight to what you see here at the Brownfield Terminal uh-huh. to buy cereal and milk and the shoelaces and all the supplies that we use here, plus the food that we are providing to the 203 people on the bridge
4: on a daily basis.
1: Okay. I did hear recently that there were some changes, that they were moved, the migrants were moved to a different spot. Do you know anything about that? Was it a big change or what's happening?
6: What what the immigration, Mexican Uh immigration wants is to hold only the the 50 people that are next in line. Mm
4: -hmm. And
6: they want everyone else to go to the shelters. But a lot of people are scared to do that because they... They, they think they're going to lose their, their spot
4: uh-huh.
6: and so they wish to remain there on the bridge. So a lot of times they move them out but slowly they trickle back to the bridge.
4: Right, okay. Mm-hmm.
6: Everyone's scared to lose their spot because if you've been waiting for two months and they tell you to leave, that's very hard because they think that my turn's going to come and I'm not going to get my place in line.
1: I have one more question, and I don't know if you're able to answer it, but um, do you, what do you hear about the conditions in the detention center from the people that are being released here at the bus station?
6: The hardest part for them is the Yelera. Is the what? The Yelera. The, the
4: ice The They're yeah. still doing that? They're
6: still doing that, and it's okay. sad because... I had a young lady that told me that she had been on her travel, that she had been kidnapped and she had been raped and beaten and she said, you know what, the rape lasted 20 minutes but the elera, I was in there for 10 days and that was the most horrific thing.
1: Why are they putting them in ice boxes? I can't
4: answer that question.
1: Are the children and the parents kept together? Do you know?
6: From what I see, yes, because they're being released together.
1: Now they are. Yeah.
6: Now they are. Okay. But we have Casa Padre down the street here, full of kids. There's an estimated three thousand kids in the in the kids' detention centers.
4: Those are un un uh, company Unaccompanied
6: minors. Okay.
1: Awesome. Sergio, thank you so much for doing what you're doing, everything that you're doing, and um, thank you for talking to me today and meeting me here, and I'm going to post this, and thank you to Janice, who's here with me, Janice Leverry, for connecting us. Janice was the connection to you.
6: Thank you, Janice.
1: So... Um, We're going to air this, and I'm also going to write a story about what I see here, and try to do whatever I can to help you. I hope listeners will will participate. uh,
6: I have my two Cuban sons that can tell you exactly what it was to be in the detention
4: center.
6: Okay. I would love to bring one of them or two in to talk to you.
4: Okay. All right. All right. Thank you.
6: Thank you.
1: All right, and this is, this. remember, youth has no age. This is Dr. Mara
4: Carpeau.
1: All right, so that was Sergio Cotoba, and they're continuing to do what they're doing um, on the border in Brownsville. And um, we're going to air the other interview that we did with one of his, um, the one of the young men that he sponsored that he said he was going to bring one of his Cuban sons. That's one of the young men that he sponsored. So we're going to air that on another show. Um, uh, I don't know if you could hear it, but he, Sergio became very emotional um, when talking about, you know, one of the stories that that he heard. And that was a pretty consistent when I met with volunteers, um, and when they talked about some of the things that they had heard and seen, um, you know, they were very upset. So, you know, I I believe that what's happening is not just affecting the the people that it's happening directly to, but every all of us are are affected by this. It's a it's a vicarious trauma that we're all experiencing if we're paying attention, and it's. Certainly affecting the um, volunteers. So, whatever we can do to support the the volunteers is really really helpful. And I believe that one of the best ways of of overcoming this, you know, vicarious trauma is by supporting each other. And so, I'm going to post the uh, website for Team Brownsville teambrownsville.org on my web post later this evening about this show. So if you want to help in any way by either donating money or supplies or, or even taking a trip down to Brownsville and volunteering or people coming from all over the country to help them, um, it all helps. It all helps. And, um, just to quote the Dalai Lama, um, compassion and tolerance are not a sign of weakness but a sign of strength and we need to remember that that being compassionate is not being weak it's actually being strong it takes a lot of strength to um, allow ourselves to carry the pain of other people and to help them but the benefit to them and to us is tremendous. It's really magical. Once we do it, I mean, you know, the team Brownsville people are passionate about what they do, and and you can't stop them um, if you tried because they are really they they feel the magic of helping other people. So, um, all right, okay. So we're gonna take about a two minute break. Um, Don't go anywhere because when we come back, we're going to be joined by Brenda Cortez, who's going to be talking about um, organ donation and her children's books about organ donation. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpel in your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com. And now joining us on the phone, um, we have the, our next guest, Brenda Cortez, who is a kidney donor herself and author of several children's books about organ donation, kindness, and passion. And she, she's joining us to talk about these issues. Good evening, Brenda. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Thank you for joining us. I just want to remind you when we speak like this, there's a slight delay. So
5: I hope you're staying cool wherever you are. <laughs> I am. It cooled off yesterday um, at the end of oh. the day. So it's finally a nice, you. beautiful day. <laughs>
1: I can't say that for how it is here in Texas, but that's wonderful. <laughs> so, 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 Brenda, be, before we talk about, you know, what you're doing these days, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of information about your background?
5: Sure. Um, so I donated a kidney to another mom 14 years ago. And then that's kind of how everything, I feel, started for me. That was the inspiration, um, kind of like my purpose, my purpose that turned Mm -hmm. into a passion um, with organ donation awareness and helping others and kindness. So it was just um, a mom that I knew through school. Our kids were in class together and um, and talking with her one time, found out she needed a kidney and I asked her, Oh, what do you need to do to be a you know, a living kidney donor? I had no idea at the time. And, um, just said, you know, the blood type is the first thing, you know, to see if would be a match. And she needed an old blood type and I said, that's me. So, Hmm. Um, Went from there, and, yeah, I was a match, and um, here we are 14 years later, and I'm yeah. doing well, and she's doing well.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. You
5: know, I talk a lot about
1: acts of kindness and generosity, and that is sort of like the ultimate act of <laughs> kindness and generosity is actually giving up one of
5: your organs
1: for another person. Well, so, thank you. That's just it awesome. Does-
5: I think it honestly does a lot just for the person that's donating to from what I hear from others as well it's just I don't know it's it's an amazing experience to be able to help someone in that way it really is
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, you know,
5: I talk a lot about the magic of
1: of acts of kindness and how it you know, it really um is so powerful for our own life. Maybe you could talk about that. How did it affect you? Because that's just like, an, a, you know, such a great, it's a huge act. Um, how did that change your life?
5: So just, I guess, yeah, what you say is the magic. It, it, it really was magic, um, not like immediately, it took it took some time for for everything, I guess, for me to fall into place and for what it was really meant to be. Like, just the kidney donation was literally just a stepping stone, and what it turned into um, like six years after the kidney donation um, at the time. So when I donated. My son was in second grade and my daughter was in fifth grade. So fast forward now six years and my daughter's a senior in high school. And and then she wrote her essay to get into college. She wrote about the kidney donation and that I inspired her to want to be a better person. Mm -hmm. Um, First she said it was, it was scary for her as a child. Um, But yet, you know, that inspired her to want to help others, you know, be that better person. And so that was, like, it was mm-hmm. a really good feeling for me that you know sure. I was able to sure. set that example for her. Um, but that's what ended up really sparking um, the whole um, writing children's books thing. Uh, that I was like, okay, you know, here we are six years after, and yes, that really probably was, you know, maybe even a lot scarier for them than I thought. You know, I knew it would, you know, I thought of them, okay, I have these you know smaller kids, but um they didn't they didn't say a whole lot but there weren't really any resources for them so i looked up to see if there you know was more out there or anything out there and there really wasn't much at all mm-hmm. especially like for living donations so i decided that i should really write something to help you know kids um going forward that you know have somebody who's donating a kidney and to help explain what it is and just in general what surgery is and so that's kinda of when that magic really started. And, yeah, um, and you I was gone put all that on, to write, on paper. And you've gone on to write six is
1: it six children's books?
5: There's six books out so far. Yep. And then I've got another another one in the works that I'm waiting for some illustrations, and then um, wrote another one, actually just last week. That I'm sure that one will take time to get out. And then there's just so many. There's so many things that um, Howl the Owl, who is the character in um, the 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 last five books that I've written. The very first one was my mom is having surgery, a kidney story. But then um, I. Created, I came up with a saying, um, help others with love. And I was like, hey, that spells out Howl, rhymes with Owl. Uh-huh. And so that's how he came about. I'm like, "That's that needs to be my character in my children's books to help inspire, you know, kids and their families to want to be kind and help others. And that's truly what organ donation is all about as well. So that's how everything, you know, kind of spiraled from, from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
5: that's really, you know, that's a
1: really important message and really powerful. And, you know, one of the things that I've, that I've found in researching when I was, you know, writing about kindness is that, and you just, you just nail, you just, you know, put your finger on it and talking about your daughter is that, when people see other people engaging in acts of kindness, it is, they have the same benefit of feeling really joyful and happy um, as the person who does it. And it inspires them to want to be kinder and be a better person like your daughter wrote in her essay.
5: Yeah. That's a very good, good point. Um, and that's, what i I hope to do, you know with the books, um, some of them are really really focusing on organ donation, and there's a couple that um, just touch on it only briefly, but it's more about the kindness and helping others and uh, mm-hmm. just, I really hope that the kids, you know, hearing what how the owl is doing and his acts of kindness, that that, you know, would do exactly what you just said and inspire them as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and you're starting, you know, you're helping people starting it very early in life. So that's just, you know, going to have huge effects. But I really believe that when we do that, um, we're really changing the world.
5: yeah i I hope so um yeah wanna... <laughs> I mean, you know because it just it
1: ripped as a ripple effect and and you know we think we're only you know maybe we're only helping one or two people, but actually it ripples out and um creating a kinder more generous world
5: and just helping others where they need the help and um that's what I hope to mm-hmm. do with future books as well. Um, three of the five are part of the organ donation series. The other two that aren't as much about organ donation, they're just part of the Howl, the Owl series. But I want to have different series um, going forward to, you know, help help kids, you know, in any kind of difficult life situations or, you know, different things, cancer. Um, there's been a lot of different suggestions, but. Um, you know, epilepsy, you know, some kind of handicap with mm-hmm. a wheelchair. So there's just so many things. Healthy eating. and So I I, I certainly hope that my books and Howl the Owl as a character can help. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm honored that I'll, I'll get feedback, and I did just get that this past week. Um, someone reached out from... Uh, a children's hospital in Atlanta, and that there's a little girl there that has she's waiting for a heart, and she has my book How We'll Get to Heart. So he gets a heart transplant mm. in there, and apparently she has her parents read it to her every day, and so that just really touched my heart. Wow, such a great feeling to know that. You know, all right, the book is definitely doing what it's meant to do Um mm-hmm. feeling, like, you know, it's giving that girl hope. And so I pray that she receives her gift of life, um, you know, hopefully soon. Um, you know, sometimes with organ donation, it's not always a situation where, you know, for me as a living donor in that situation, when it's a heart or some other organs, you know, that it has to come from a deceased donor. Um, Right. But hopefully people in their their time of sadness and sorrow can find hope and strength knowing that they're able you know that their child is able to live on and help someone else. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've I've seen a lot of stories like that where people want to meet the The person that donated the organ to keep their child living. um, Very emotional.
5: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listen to their heartbeats or, you know, just to get to to know them. Um, My most recent book is about a race car driver, Joey Gates, and his mom. uh, She was a donor. So we did an event a few weeks ago. And I got to meet the lady that received his mom's liver, so he obviously he knows her too, and I mean, sometimes those people like become part of the family so it was it was just really neat that you know like hey that she's she's alive, she's here, and you know Joey's mom saved her so it's yeah, truly an amazing yeah. thing.
1: So now, are you also doing speaking events
5: as well? Yes, I do um, a lot of school visits. Um, presented to uh, different different groups. You know, it could be a church group, um, you know, Lions group. Uh, just you know, for the children. Depends on the grade. I might focus more on the kindness. Uh, otherwise. You know, focusing on organ donation, and um, with the adult groups, then definitely, you know, sharing information about organ donation and the import- importance of it. Um, it doesn't
3: doesn't matter
5: your age. Just if you, you know, designate that you would want it to be doesn't mean you're going to be an organ donor. It all depends on, um, you know, how you would pass away, and. There's people that can even donate tissue cornea. Um you can have cancer and potentially still donate cornea. I, I just read I think somebody was ninety two and they were able to like be a tissue donor. Mm-hmm. And
3: mm-hmm. there was
5: a recent living kidney donor, um, he was in his seventies and he donated to his Wow. Wife. Wow. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. So, so yeah, leave it up to the professionals to the side. Yeah,
1: right. So how can people find out more about you or your book? Your books sound wonderful. Um, or contact you if they'd like, you know, to find out about your speaking engagements. Um, what?
5: Where can they go for all of that? Yeah, so the best place is um, the website um, com. And that actually takes you to my page, which is part of Donate Life America's website. So I'm honored that I get to be there and I donate some proceeds back to them. So mm-hmm. feel free. You can, um, there's more information about myself. You can click on each book title. It'll take you to more information about um, the book and how to order it. And then there's um, Howell the Owl, who's also a plush animal. Oh, So you can okay. a book, like a book and a bear, but it's a book and an owl. And, uh-huh. Um, yeah, he's, he's loved by adults and children. And um, I also have a Facebook page um, Howl the Owl. And then there's a second one called Howl the Owl on the Prowl because there's a smaller plush version of him that's been traveling around well, the country and the world. And so people are hosting him for a week or two and take him out, take pictures, introduce him to people, and share what he's all about. You know, his message of kindness, help others, and organ donation awareness. And then also I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram as well.
1: Okay. And okay. If, you,
5: if you want to reach me directly, the webpage is, um, had my email on there as well.
1: Okay, wonderful.
5: Um,
1: okay, so I am going to post that information, all that contact information, on my website post about this show later tonight. So, you know, if people weren't ready to write all of that down, <laughs> it'll be there sure. later tonight so they can get it. Um thank you so much for being on the program and for all that you're doing to spread kindness and generosity in the world, I think that's just you know it's great it's wonderful thank you and thank, thank you, you for, <laughs> thank you for As, being um, here this evening.
5: Oh, I appreciate it so you'll you'll have Um, I'm just waiting on some t-shirts for my plush howled owl, so you'll be receiving one um, along with a couple books then in the mail, so you watch for him, okay?
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. thank you you so much much for having me. Yes, you're welcome. And, And you have a very good evening.
5: Thank you. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks. All right,
1: so great show this evening, and before Art knocks us off the air, let me let you all know what's coming up next week. Um, next Sunday, July 28th, we'll be back with another live show from right here in Austin, Texas, and we'll be joined from Hawaii once again by J.F. Benoit, who's author, speaker, and director and founder of the Hawaii Addiction Treatment Center, and author of Addicted to the Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life, and more. We always have more. Um, just stay tuned, and you'll find out what else is on the program. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, get all of the contact information, websites, all of that. Um, go to my website. That the link to the podcast, along with all of that information, will be posted later tonight. Um, it might be late, but it'll be there tonight. And you can also listen to the show in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk blogtalkradio.com/slash Your Golden Years. On my website. You can also read all my blogs, watch the videos, listen to previous programs, and lots more. So that's a one-stop shop. You can buy my book there, too. And um, for upcoming events, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Maric Hartel, Your Golden Years. And this show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald Devere, and by St- Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, Kira Denine, Brenda Cortez, Sergio Cordova. And, of course, thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone, and stay cool.
6: My life away. <laughs> Brooklyn, when I go lose it's the same every day, I just <laughs> gotta get out of here. Day, I just gotta get out of here. Take me back any day to the Alonta Bay. I just gotta find peace of mind and
4: I sail away most any day. And a and my highway, and I'll dream like a